Before we begin this week's episode of Unpack This Brain, we would just like to inform listeners that this episode contains the voice recording of an Aboriginal woman belonging to the Mananjali tribe here in Southeast Queensland. Please take care while listening to this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Unpack This Brain. As usual, I'm Josh and I've got... Eunice, hello. And uh, this one's another special episode, actually, because we're recording with another person. Yeah. Uh, It's not Ricky this time, um, but it's another one of our very lovely friends, uh, Tegan. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Tegan, I, I, I guess for... Us, for Eunice and I, obviously we both know you from our time at QT when we were all doing um, the counselling masters together. But I guess for our for the listeners, um, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and then what you've been doing since uni, yeah, we'll, get, we'll go from there. I think mm-hmm. that's the best way. Uh, sure. Um, I guess I'll introduce myself as a Monteli woman. Um, so I am Aboriginal. The Monteli clan is from the Bodesit area. Um, I originally studied to be a social worker and I did that role for a while working with families, um, and then decided I really enjoyed the talking aspect of that role (laughs) more so than the practical running around kind of stuff and went into uh, master's in counseling. Mm-hmm. And that's when I became a child therapist while I was studying and have stuck with that role and, and have since gone on maternity leave and have mm-hmm. a six-month-old daughter. Yeah. That's a snapshot yeah. of, of my life. Yeah, snapshot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good. yeah so, um, yeah, it's, it sounds like there's been – a lot that has happened. Yeah, that's like such an understatement. Over the last um, couple of years. Yeah, definitely. When I give that snapshot, that's kind of... Yeah. <laughs> you don't realise how much you go through. Yeah. Um, uh, let's go in, in order. So I'm really curious about what drew you... So you explained that, you know, you're a social worker and you like the talking aspect. Mm. But then what drew you to specifically wanting to work um, with children? Um, I think... Well, when I was a social worker, I was predominantly working with the parents and mm. you you kind of were supposed to be working with the kids, but it was like the capacity to do that mm. within the role that I had. It was very like overwhelming. You had a very big workload, um, yeah. client load, and you pretty much did majority of the work with the parents. And the few times that I did get to work with kids it was amazing I really loved it Mm. but also when I was doing a social work placement um I did it in a child specific agency Mm. where I got to work with kids and I really wanted to return to that so Mm. I guess it was kind of like oh I've I've done my stint with the parents and adults now I kind of want to go back the other way and yeah younger people again yeah I see Um, so it's like through your experience and experiencing all the age ranges you're like I would like to be more in the children yeah. realm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you mentioned 
um, that you are Indigenous in heritage. Yeah. Um, and what was the name again of um, the tribe that you were from? Mananjaroi. Okay, Manjari. awesome. And they're from the Bo, Bo Desert region, yeah. you were saying. Um, that's really awesome. So I'm really curious about, like, your journey, um, like, through culture, mm. you know, and sort of, like, how that has, um, like, shown up for you in your family life and, like, also in your working life? Mm, gosh, yeah. that's a big question. <laughs> yeah. um, so I didn't know that I had Aboriginal heritage until I was 17. Mm. Um, my grandma on my dad's side decided to do a big family tree and through that she discovered the heritage. Um, she didn't even know her husband was Aboriginal and we don't know if he knew or if he just hid it or mm. what. So... Yeah, it was this big discovery and I guess I just went through this big, huge journey of identity mm-hmm. <laughs> um, after that because, you know, when you come into it a bit later in life, it's kind of hard to connect and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm of paler skin so it was always a bit hard to feel like I could just walk into, you know, any agency or, like, event <laughs> of Indigenous nature yeah. and just be like, hey, yeah, I'm here, you know, and connect with it. So yeah. um, it was a really tough time. And I think even um, when I started the Masters in Counselling, I was still saying I don't know what my totem is and yeah. that kind of thing. So, you know, that was years later and I'm mm. still not – wasn't sure. Mm. But um, I got fortunately connected in um, – with a service I went through that helps young people connect with culture and with their mental health and that kind of thing. Mm. And it was, like, perfect timing, I suppose. They helped me find out what my totem was, connected me with some elders. Yeah. Yeah, and I got to do a bunch of, like, activities. It it just – and helped me learn that, you know, culture is with me in everyday life. It's not something you have to Mm. do to – participate in culture it's just a part of you yeah yeah and it doesn't matter like if I go into any kind of work it's just there it's always with me like you know I've kind of gone in and out of revealing that I have you know Aboriginal culture to workplaces and Mm. stuff as well because I mean I've had some interesting experiences of revealing it straight off the bat and sometimes Mm. I've been a bit more careful of sharing it later you know that kind of thing but yeah yeah, it's just been this huge journey, I suppose. I, yeah. I, can't, I don't know how to describe it other than that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Thank you for sharing that and for, like, um, you know, sharing your experience where it was you were a bit older when you mm. found out of your heritage. And yeah. then it's like, what does this look like as a 17-plus-year-old mm. trying to um, discover your heritage? Yeah. And, um, are you able to share what your totem is? Oh, uh, it's a witch tail eagle, actually. Oh. Yeah. Do you, by any chance, have a t- is it a tattoo? Yeah, yeah, I've got a tattoo. Oh, I thought so. Yeah, I, I was like, yeah, yeah. So I found out before the end of um the master's degree, and I got a tattoo of it pretty oh much immediately. I don't know. It was kind of like, uh, well, I'm pale skinned and no one re- recognizes me as Aboriginal straight yeah. off the bat, and like I've had people go oh, you're Aboriginal after I've told them. Like, no. it's been a complete shock to them. So yeah. to yeah. me, it was kind of like, oh, this tattoo is like I've got Aboriginal skin now because it's oh, an Aboriginal yes, tattoo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, <laughs> that okay. was my thinking at the time. But yeah. I, I guess, like, I, I've evolved more than that now, yeah. uh, that kind of thinking, but it's still nice to have it with me. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, that's, I think that's really, really good. And I think 
because we've had discussions about being Asian in this country mm. and mm. how culture shaped us as mm. well. It's you know it's it's really validating to hear you also say that culture is always with you mm. and you always bring it wherever you go. And mm. I think that's that's a a wonderful thing. Yeah. And yeah, I'm curious, Eunice. Have you had interactions like I know with um, at your work as well with young people? Um, uh, indigenous young people yeah yeah mm. I have so we do have a few um, indigenous students at the school mm. um, and mm. in the area that I work in we 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 wanted to have more um, like of a cultural presence there if that makes sense mm. or at, at the school that I work at mm. um, so actually really recently we um, hired contracted um, this young man and he he's Aboriginal and he um, grew up like he grew up with it so he's got like a lot of knowledge he's also a zookeeper so he owns Ooh. a lot of um, <laughs> animals um he's, so he's got a lot of knowledge he owns animals he likes working with young people so like he's mm. trying to use all of that to engage all of our young people yeah. um and you know bring more um cultural awareness of the indigenous culture to mm. our school mm. um so it's been really lovely i think it really helps that he's um, a bit younger as well because the young people are like oh yeah he's really cool like he can really relate to them mm. um so i think we're making some really good steps that way that's good yeah i found mm. that it was just having even just one connection with someone who was in the same culture as me yeah. that helped you know, like just having that one person to feel like they've taken you under the wing or even just to go to so that you have that one person to bounce off of and stuff has yeah. been like it was pivotal for me yeah. with developing my culture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really it's really interesting because, like you said, culture is always with you. And mm. I think when you look at it like in an organization, you think, how do we bring more culture? I feel like that question is so loaded because it's like, oh, what does that even mean? Gosh. I oh. can't tell you. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. And it's frustrating sometimes because, um, you know, I've worked in a place that wanted to bring culture in and what they did was buy a bunch of um, Aboriginal paintings and stick them up on the wall um, and it was like is that all you're doing with Aboriginal <laughs> culture yeah. so how, how do you actually do it like yes that, yeah. that brings I guess a sense of safety I suppose if you're walking in in this uh, Indigenous mm -hmm. artwork up on the wall it makes you feel okay cool that they're into, like, Indigenous culture but like yeah. what about in your practice itself and yeah. that kind of thing but that's also been a big question for me yeah. I work in you know with kids in the foster care system and mm -hmm. as we know there's a lot of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids who are in the foster care system and a lot of them are like me didn't know or have barely any knowledge about their culture. How do I support them? Mm. <laughs> yeah. mm. That's been like a huge thing for me, a huge challenge to try and work through. Yeah. Sometimes I still feel like I'm I'm the blind leading the blind. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because yeah. as much as I've connected in with my culture, I still feel like it, I'm years away from being mm -hmm. fully immersed in it. If yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 And that's what's so interesting is like, um, like you said, it just takes that one person to mm. take them under your wing, mm. under their wing. So I wonder mm. if that, if you are that to some people, even if not, you don't feel like you're totally there yet. Mm. But yeah, I wonder if you felt that for some of the the kids uh, that that's you a work good, with. Good point to make because I probably haven't been seeing myself like that, but I probably am because I'm 
it's like I'm the first point of contact for some of these kids mm. to introduce them into culture. So, yeah. you know, at least they have that. Yeah, Yeah, because it takes, like you said, the one and it's almost like a flow-on effect, but you don't even know where it's going to flow onto. Mm -hmm. But you you just need the one, like, sort of connection or, like, gateway into it and then what Mm -hmm. what will it look like after that kind of thing. It's kind of interesting you describing it like that because I've always kind of seen my practice in general, like counselling, is, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just providing that extra layer. Like, they come in with whatever they're at and you just add that extra layer for them to go out into the world and maybe the next person will add another layer onto that if they seek more help or whatever else so I guess you could kind of view introducing culture to young people or whoever even people later in life you're just adding that first layer and they can take that and go off and do what they want with it and maybe they'll meet another person who will help add another layer yeah 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 it's lovely to see it that way because I guess us as we're all practitioners here Mm. helping people Mm. um i feel like sometimes we can feel such a pressure to be like you know like to to fix it all like in that one moment so you saying that is so lovely and like i feel like it helps us keep our sanity and like helps with burnout Mm. to know that we're like one step Mm. you know and then there's other steps after that and that's like Mm. we can't control that I know you guys are meant to be asking me the questions, but oh, I'm yeah, okay. Yeah, this, yeah, I love yeah. no, chats. No, 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 no. This is like this is how whole, we work. Like a flow. I'm yeah. just curious, like, because I have had those feelings of not feeling like I'm Aboriginal enough, mm-hmm. right? So I'm wondering if you guys, with your culture, whether you have mm-hmm. not felt Aboriginal enough, or you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> Which one because... of us wants to go first? <laughs> I don't mind you. I don't mind you. <laughs> okay, I'll go first because I'm, I'm feeling like this urge to be like, yes, mm. I completely. Mm. I felt that my whole life because I grew up here in Australia, mm. and my parents chose not to teach me Tagalog, which is the mm. national language in the Philippines, like mm. the main language. Mm. They worried that I would not be able to learn English well enough. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't understand that kids can pick up heaps of things. So they were like, let's just – let's teach her English so she yeah. knows. Um, so mm-hmm. that was, like – that was the start of a lot of me mm-hmm. growing up very, um, like, in Australia with a lot of, like, Australian customs, mm-hmm. even though my parents are from the Philippines and they have their own Filipino customs mm-hmm. as well. So – yeah, I definitely saw a lot of like um, maybe loss of culture. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So when I hung out with some Filipino folk, like I would feel like I didn't belong. Yes, yeah. Because <laughs> like sometimes I'd speak the Gullah, but I have different accents, and mm. um, yeah, I remember throughout school like not knowing where I belonged. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. But then luckily, fast forward, I found people similar to me, mm. where it's like a, it's a, it's a big like um, merge of cultures. You mm. know, like we're here in Australia. Some of us were born here, but we have a Filipino heritage, and mm. and then I found like people not even of the Filipino culture that have that same you know experience mm-hmm. of it being so blended, and there's no like real, like you know, it's not black and white. Essentially, mm. it's really mm. like. A mixture of the different cultures yeah. yeah yeah no i i agree i think for me it's it's a lot harder because while i am filipino culturally mm. because i grew up in singapore i always saw myself as singaporean and mm. then moving yeah. here i was what one of only maybe like 15 asian kids in primary school mm. and then moving to through the high school about the same number of um high school kids in my grade so i, I was always like 
oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Singaporean and then I have this filler bit that just sits here mm. <laughs> casually, right? And then when I got into uni and then that's where, that's where like I started reconnecting slowly with the uh, Filipino side of myself and acknowledging that, you know, mm. it, it's difficult to be a foreigner in a land where you were, you know, where you were raised and that's where all your foundational like psychology and thinking lies mm. because then when you come to a different country and then you see that, you know, that community, mm. it's like, oh, I, I don't know if I can be accepted by them because, mm. you know, I'm the other yeah. there. So it was like, I think a lot of the third culture kids, so that's where um, children who are of one particular community grow up in a different country and they transplant themselves again. Mm. That's where a lot of our disconnection sort of is like, am I here? Am I here? Am I here? Where is home? That yeah. whole concept of home um, is something that's always sort of been like in, my, in the back of my mind, just like, you know, fermenting away. Yeah. But I think now I'm happy... I'm more comfortable saying that I'm Filipino, but also with you know, the Singaporean background that I have. And then now having lived in Australia for well, almost 20 years next, yeah, next year is going to be 20 years since we wow. first moved yeah. over. So it's, it's like accepting the fact that I have all of these different parts mm. of myself that mm. just make up me and this is how it is. Mm. And, you know, going back to the both of you saying, you know, how, how you, we are touchstones for young people mm. um, to connect with someone that is someone else who has a very similar experience. Mm. And I still have that mm. uh, working where I work right now. And still, like, you know, like, even with the Indigenous kids, I have some Indigenous kids that are in my programs and I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be a fun time. Teach me everything if you want to. Mm. And it's like, you know, it's lovely to see the young people, particularly those who were previously disconnected mm -hmm. to their um, Indigenous culture, coming back, reconnecting, and then being so open to sharing that with someone like me is is a is like it's an immense privilege that I don't think mm -hmm. a lot of other people have. It's yeah. great to you know be in that moment and to see it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And I think um, that that conversation's really highlighted that it can. We can have such similar experiences. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter the culture. Yeah. Um, there's that that sort of connection that we feel like similarly mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unpack This Brain. If you'd like to follow us, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search Unpack This Brain. If you'd like to send us any questions, feel free to do so. Use the hashtag UnpackThisBrain or send us a DM or send us an email, unpackthisbrain at gmail.com. This podcast was created by the lovely people over at Great Mates Podcast. Feel free to subscribe to any of our podcasts wherever you're listening. We'd also like to acknowledge the First Nations owners on whose lands we are creating this podcast.